So good work. Good job. Thanks. They think I'm talking about them. That's what's funny about that. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to see you guys this morning. Glad to be together uh, and get to uh, share some Jesus stuff together. Uh, we are uh, talking through uh, Peter. Uh, been talking through Peter and his life and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, pulling out, you know, sections of Scripture where we see uh, him getting to to be a part, go through things, you know. Uh, it's funny because, you know, in the Gospels, he's just constantly learning lessons and and it's like after the gospels in the book of acts and you know onward he's just like he's just like you know just hitting pedal to the metal he's just going you know he's just he's just going after what god has called him to do I, you know and i uh you know I, I we're we're not seeing all of peter's life obviously you know i'm still he's I'm, sure he's still a knucklehead at times or whatever, but uh, we see a lot less of that in Acts. But uh, I'm grateful to be reminded of that. In fact, this passage that we're studying today, uh, there's so much to it that we can't, we don't have time to, to really get it all. Uh, and our series is shortly coming to a close here too, as we're going to be, uh, have, we've got plunged in a couple of weeks, then we're moving into a different series after that. Uh, but um, this passage today, as we're talking about, I want to kind of give a little backstory to it so that you kind of know what's going on. Uh, you know, Peter, um, you know, is, is doing a lot of traveling around and sharing Jesus and all these things. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very kind of, you know, moment by moment, like as the Lord is leading literally, you know, for him and, and other folks with him to, you know, to kind of go and end up in certain places. And as God is leading, uh, they're doing that. But, uh, you know, one of the things that's happening in the midst of all this and in, in this moment, and, and I, encur I encourage you to go to the book of Acts maybe this week, if you haven't been looking at it and just, and just read around, you know, read, read starting chapter eight, chapter nine. We studied that last week, you know, uh, you know, chapter eight, chapter eight, and then, you know, read, read chapter nine, see, see what happens. You know, this is where we're picking up, uh, you know, Paul, uh, who at that time was known as Saul. And so, uh, you're like, okay, great. You know, he's, he's one of my favorites. Well, don't forget that when we pick him up in scripture, he's actually like, uh, the head, head hunter of Christians. Like he's, he's killing Christians. He's, he's hunting Christians down. Uh, for their faith and for teaching about Jesus and all this. And he thinks he's, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing because the, uh, the right thing, because he's with the government, uh, you know, whatever that, you know, however you want to take that. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's doing his thing, right? And so um, people are scared to death of him. You know, Christians especially, I mean, they, they hear, they hear Saul's coming to town. They're going the other way. Well, in chapter nine, that all changes, and there's a moment there, and I want you to go read it. I want you to spend some time in God's Word and kind of think about how the Lord does, you know, save people and change people's lives. He does that how he wants to do that. Okay, we're going we're to talk through a little bit about today about what we look at and what we see in Scripture about how he does that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he can write that story however he wants to. And in Saul's life, Saul is still pursuing hunting Christians down and it's literally following, as it says, the way, capital way, uh, capital W. Uh, and, you know, just he's, he's just he's looking for the movement of God and he's trying to follow people and hunt those people down to kill them. And so God saves Saul, but not, you know, it's not, you know, in the middle of a church service and it's not after a Bible study. It's while he's hunting Christians down. Right. 
But the funny thing is, is that he knew enough about the gospel because he'd been hunting Christians down that God used that knowledge and a moment to save him. And some things happen, and some crazy things happen. I'm just, and I'm thinking again, I'm always kind of trying to, when I'm doing a study with somebody like this, you know, I'm trying to think about, put myself in Peter's shoes. What was this like for Peter? I mean, it talks about how the apostles, like, at, at a point, he kind of like comes and wants to join the apostles, and the apostles are like, bro, we don't know about that. You know, <laughs> we're not sure about you, you know? And so, um, and rightfully so. And so Peter is in the midst of that moment, and then Peter is moving on, and others are moving on, and Saul is moving on, and they're, they're going out and sharing the gospel. I mean, Saul goes straight into sharing the gospel. Uh, he goes straight, straight into sharing Jesus with people after, after the Lord saves him, which is amazing. And so um, anyway, what we have is we have this moment with Peter and a guy named Cornelius. And uh, Cornelius has an angel of the Lord come to him, and Cornelius is a Gentile, um, you know, and to kind of go back, a Gentile is, is, you know, someone that's not Jewish, uh, and so, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people in the Jewish tradition, most people in the Jewish tradition at that point in time would have believed that you had to be Jewish and to have followed certain Jewish laws, you know, be circumcised, whatever it may be, to be able to follow the Lord, and so some of some of those things were being put over on if you're going to follow Jesus, well, you must still do those things, right? And so they were picking it, you know, they're kind of like bringing some of their church baggage from over here and, you know, bringing it over here, you know, to where they've, you know, met Jesus. Oh, well, you still got to do this. You still got to do that. It's like, okay, well, we're, you know, are we following rules or are we following Jesus? Which one is it, right? And that's the, that's the difference between legalism and Christianity, Okay. So let's, let's just kind of level the playing field on that real quick because it's real easy to go, oh, I love Jesus and I'm a, you know, I'm a disciple of Christ, but if, oh, well, if you don't do this, then you're going to hell. Well, no, it doesn't work like that, okay? And so, you know, Cornelius has an angel of the Lord come visit him. And this angel of the Lord, you know, great, again, go read it, Okay first part of chapter 10, go read it, go see what's happening, read nine through all that we're not studying in 10. And then we're picking up here where Cornelius has this angel of the Lord. After this angel comes to him, this angel of the Lord says, I want you to find Peter and I want you to hear what he has to say. And so they send for Peter. Peter, you know, gets this random, you know, not a call, something, I don't know, you know, messenger, something, you know, hey, get this guy up here. We're supposed to hear what he has to say. And so, I mean, these people, not just Cornelius, but it turns out that he's got a crowd with him. These people are so shook up by the angel of the Lord coming to visit him that they're, they're ready. Like they're so ready. Like they showed up as ready as ready can be to hear whatever it is that the Lord has to say to them through Peter. And so to the point that when Peter gets there, <laughs> I think the joker is here. <laughs> That's so good. I love that it's rich too. It's so, it makes it even better. <laughs> Oh, man. So when Peter gets to Cornelius' place, here's what happens. Cornelius, like, 
falls down on the ground worshiping Peter. You know, and and I've you know I brought up you know many many weeks back about how you know there's a whole group of people and Catholics are you know in that boat you know that that take Peter to be like this saint and this special you know you know kind of a figure kind of deal and Peter stops Cornelius and he actually this is his words in Acts ten twenty six not on the screen he says stand up I too am a man and he's like I'm not Jesus and I'm not God get off the ground. Let's, let's get on with this. I want to, I want to share with you what the Lord's put on my heart to come and share. And so that's where we're picking up today is we're picking up where Peter is beginning to share with the Gentiles. And I want to go back and I want to share this verse that I shared from last week to be reminded of this call in which Jesus gave to his people. Okay. And we have it in Acts 1, verse 8. And it said this. We, we read it last. We're going to read it again. It says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And remember we talked, all nations, right? Great commission, all nations. Jesus can't be more clear. And the truth is, is that Peter knows that he's fighting against a culture, a Jewish culture at that time, that many of those people he knows are not going to want to just say, oh, this other people group can follow Jesus, they can be saved, they can have the Holy Spirit like we do. And we talked about that last week, right, uh, with the Samaritans and, and what happened in that passage and why you know, God chose for not until Peter got there to share the gospel for the Holy Spirit to come upon them and all this kind of stuff, you know, crazy stuff, cool stuff, right? And then today we're picking up where Peter is now sharing with the Gentiles and Cornelius's friends, probably family, uh, and, you know, likely what would be the beginning of a church if I had to guess uh, here, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, and it says this, it says, so Peter, and this, again, this is him beginning to speak to Cornelius and, and his folks here. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And in fact, the word acceptable could be translated welcome to him. Like he is open, he wants, he loves, cares for all nationalities, right? You know, I'll read that again, verse 35. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable, welcome to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. I want to stop there and kind of talk about that for just a second. So this idea of Jesus, you know, preaching peace, you know, we, we love, you know, we love the word peace, right? Everybody wants peace, you know, like, you know, get up, get your Grammy, you know, you're going to get some, you know, we want world peace, you know, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is not necessarily that peace. The peace that he is preaching is the reconciliation 
of man and God. That peace that we know that we were born with sin, right? And that sin has a penalty. That penalty is death. And that God loved us so much that he would send Jesus to come and die for us, suffer for us, give his life for us. And that when we believe in him and trust in him, that we find peace in the Lord and we're made part of his family, right? We're adopted into his family. And it says, he is Lord of all. One of the, this, this, this good news and of peace and this Lord of all stuff right here. I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is pretty deep stuff, you know, if you really get into it. And in fact, if you look at it, this reconciliation of God and man, uh, which I picked up off of Calvin, uh, also what you see is this Lord of all, you know, statement. And this Lord of all statement is, that's a big statement, you know, and we're going to see that statement played out even a little more uh, here in the passage as it continues to go. But it's this idea that he is judge of all and savior of all who believe. And John Stott talked about that. You know, this is, this is, this is great stuff for us if we're a believer. Now, if we're not a believer, then we might be left, you know, going, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm not sure what I believe about this. I'm not sure what I think about this. But if we've been reconciled to the Lord, if we've found that peace that comes through Jesus and recognize that he is Lord of all, it's just the greatest, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Verse 37, it keeps going. It says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been cho chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So what we have here is we have Peter really coming to Cornelius' I don't know if it's his house or you know, wherever, to share the gospel. I mean, in basic form. And in fact, uh, so basic, I think it's great for us to look at how he's going about doing it today. Uh, if you're looking at his main points, he starts out with no partiality, right? He starts out with this idea that every nation, that anyone can come, right? In 34 and 35, you know, and in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable, welcome to him. Now, this is, you could take that one verse out of context and go, oh, well, you know, that's a, that's a works-based salvation right there. That's all about, you know, uh, doing all the right things. Well, the right thing is to believe in Christ, okay? To trust in him, for him to be your savior. That, that is the right thing. But the byproduct of that is that when our lives are changed, that we want to follow the Lord. And that changes us. It changes 
how we approach life. It changes our conversations. It changes how we work. It changes how we learn. It changes how we play, right? We follow Jesus. We look more like Christ to others. Furthermore, he goes on to talk about this good news of peace and, you know, that Jesus is Lord of all. And we just talked about both of those things a little bit. And then he goes on and he starts to give this backstory to Jesus, right? And so he starts actually with the person of John. He's talking about John the Baptist. And he starts talking about, you know, the story of, of Jesus coming and being baptized and how John came before him. You know, and if you look at that in that passage, uh, you know, it says in verse 37, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And so, you know, he's picking up this piece and he's, he's trying to help people kind of come along for the ride of helping them to understand who the person of Jesus is. He talks about how the Spirit came upon him. He talks about how he was anointed. He talks about his works and specifically that he was doing good and healing. You know? And I think, you know, if you're doing a summary of the ministry of Christ, I mean, that's, that's a great majority of it. And, and, and I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot for us as we do programming as a church. Like, what is, why? Why do we do some things and we don't do other things? There's a lot of things we talk about doing. I mean, even this past week, you know, we threw something out there. What do you guys think about this? You know, is this a possibility of ministry, you know, to happen for our church or whatever? Is anybody interested or whatever? You know, and a lot of times really what we're looking at is we're just, we're asking this question of, is this something that can be something that is Christ honoring? Is this something that can help lead people to Jesus? And I look at that and I think about, you know, we could do a lot of good things. You know, there's a lot of entities that do a lot of good things. But we really try to focus our attention on things. And there's a lot of leadership principles behind, you know, a bunch of this. But, you know, we really try to focus, you know, our energy and our people and, you know, their abilities, talents and gifts and all those things toward things that we feel like, you know what, we could have an impact for the kingdom of God here. That's why we're doing a Hope Center, right? That's why we're thinking about doing a, a trunk or treat. That's why we're, you know, in any, anything, we, that's, why we, that's why we have a food pantry, you know? Because we have to, if it, unless we're, I don't, I don't have a good word for this, dumb, okay? I'm just going to say it. Uh, you know, unless we're dumb, <laughs> And, and we're just going to be like, let's don't pay attention to what's going on in our community. Then we wouldn't do those things, right? It's just money spent. It's just time spent. It's just energy taken from people to do those things. But if we're looking at our community and we're going, you know what? We got a lot of people in need in our community. How can we help them? We go, we ask the question, what are the needs? What are the needs? Addiction, hunger, people just in need, people needing a place to, to feel comfortable, people needing a place to know that this is a great place for them and their families, for their children, that it's a safe place. 
You know, all those things. I just, I just wrapped up in just a nutshell why we might think about even doing some of those things, much less like, all right, let's do them. And in the end, the hope is not that people would come and go, you know what, they're good people. They're good people. I don't care. I don't care if they think we're good people. I want them to know Jesus. I want folks to know Jesus. I mean, like, that's, that's the end game. That's the touchdown. That's the, we won the Super Bowl. Is that people would follow Jesus, that their lives would be changed by the Lord. Not that they would just think we're good people. I hope we're good people, right? But I hope we're good people because we love Jesus. He's changed us. And here, Peter, knocking down these different things. He's sharing who Jesus is. He's sharing the work that he was doing. Then he goes into the death of Jesus. And he says, you know, and they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Verse 39, right? But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. And then he talks about it. And he appeared to a bunch of us, you know? And he doesn't say it here, but I'm just thinking like later on when they're hanging out and people are probably like, what was it like being, you know, being with Jesus? What was it like hanging out with Jesus? And if I'm Peter, I'd be like looking at people constantly and going, it just made me realize how much of an idiot I am. You know, like you would not believe, like I actually denied him three times one night, you know, as he was being killed. They'd be like, what? No way. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he came back. And we had this whole, like, feed my sheep thing three times. And it took three times for me to figure out what Jesus was doing. And then he told me he wanted to build a church on me. And I'm like, what in the world? Are you serious right now? And then he says, and then he called us, to preach the gospel. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And he just tells them, you know, he's basically saying we're sinners and it's in him that we receive forgiveness for our sin. It's all him. You know, and if, again, if I'm Peter, I'm, <laughs> I, I would want to sidebar and be like, that's Cornelius why I told you to get off the ground and not be worshiping me because I'm not going to get you anywhere. I'm just another dude, right? And then verse 44 happens. <laughs> verse 44 happens. While Peter was saying these things, he wasn't finished is what that's saying. He's still teaching. And this is a synopsis, by the way. We don't have word for word what Peter's saying. He says, but while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. 
Folks, that's all the difference in the world. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now here's what's funny. There's this holy moment happening right here. And we can only imagine what that must have been like. But it was so obvious that all the, all the folks that were with Peter, <laughs> they're amazed. And, and here it says, verse 45, it says, And the believers from among the circumcised, that's the people that were with Peter, who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Do you know why they were amazed? Remember the church baggage? Because they had brought that church baggage from over here and brought it over here and be like, oh, well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to look like this, talk like this, be a part of this community, right? They weren't completely understanding the movement of the Lord in the fact that God would save them how he wanted to save them. And these people were not Jewish. They were not circumcised. They, they didn't fit that mold. And therefore, these people who very, I'm sure, had great intentions, they're with Peter, they're wanting the gospel to go out, you know, in their minds, they're thinking, well, you know, we're going to have a lot of work to do to get these people cleaned up so that they can come to Jesus. And folks, it doesn't work like that. Jesus wants us just like we are. He's the one that'll do the cleaning up. If there's work to be done, he's the one to do it. He's the one to lead us through it. He's the one to help us with it, right? And in verse 46, it says, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, can anyone without water, can, I'm sorry, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So what he's doing is a very strategic statement that Peter's making right here. And he's making it, you know, so that these people, the church folks that are with him, so to speak, we'll just go that way, the religious folks who, you know, still carrying some of that baggage from the past, he's, he's, he's basically saying, so, uh, you know, any reason to not baptize these folks right now since, uh, you know, they've received the Holy Spirit just like we have? And in verse 48, he just turns around, he just says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is an amazing, it's an amazing story of God's working in a group of people's lives, even all at once, you know, to see so many people. And, you know, again, I, I think, man, what it must have been like to have been Peter, to have been in some of these moments, to see some of these things happen. They see, they see literally that the Holy Spirit has fallen on these people. They, they're watching these people speaking in tongues, praising God after the Holy Spirit has come down on them, you know. Their lives are completely changed. Now I look at it and I go, what's happened here? 
What's happened in this moment? Well, the word was proclaimed, it was taught, it was preached. The Holy Spirit fell on those who heard it, and it helped unbelievers to believe. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does is he helps us to believe. If we make it all about our knowledge, we've completely taken the Lord out of the equation. There comes a point of faith. There comes a point where we have to believe that there's something greater than us, bigger than us, that understands us better than we understand ourselves. You don't get to the top of a staircase without taking the first step. And so I say this in conjunction with all this. If you might be an unbeliever and you've ever felt like God is tugging on your heart in a moment when you've heard about Jesus, that's not the person that's telling you. That's not me. That's not, you know, your friend that was sharing Christ with you at one point in time. That's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. And he wants, you know, he, he wants us to be open to that. What we see here, though, is we see a group of people that are ready, right? Remember what I said? Like, they're so jacked up by the angel of the Lord coming to their house or whatever, you know, again, coming to Cornelius. They're so jacked up about this that by the time Peter gets there, they're just like, tell us what we need to hear. Tell us what we need to hear. And the truth is, is that I think for so many folks, they don't want to hear. They may say they want to hear, but the truth is, is they're not letting the guard down. They're not letting the Lord speak to them because they've really already made their mind up, right? Well, this is what I believe, and this is, you know. And I think we have to be willing at some point just go, okay, Lord, I don't understand it all. I don't know it all, but I'm going to trust in you to speak to my heart. Lead me, guide me, help me understand. Help me understand your truth. If you want to change my life, Lord, you change my life. And I'm telling you, the willingness on our behalf to be open to the gospel is a piece of the puzzle. And sometimes the Lord even works around that. Hence, Saul, right? God will save anyone how he cho chooses to do it. And it's not about being religious. It's about having Jesus. Very simple. By the way, baptism, something that we still do. In fact, if you, you haven't ever been baptized, but you're a believer, or let's say you come to Christ this morning, you know, and you want to be baptized, we're actually doing a baptism class in the next service hour today. If you want to slide in there, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, you didn't make the list, you know, get, get on down to the office and, and, and get to it. We've got plunge in a couple of weeks. We'll be doing our, our big baptism there. Um, but baptism is an outward sign of an inward change in our lives. Baptism doesn't save us. These people are saved and they're not baptized yet. They're also not circumcised. They're not a lot of things that they wanted them to be, right? <laughs> Jesus is the only thing that saves. 
Jesus is the only thing that saves. He is enough. On this passage, the Gospel Transformation Study Bible gave a summary of Peter's message here. And then here it is. This is the summary. He said, it says, Jesus lived, died, and was raised. And he has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. And everyone is called to repent and believe, to receive forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. This is the culmination of God's redemptive plan. All of this brought me to this other passage of Scripture that I just felt like I, I got to share this passage today. There's no way I don't share this passage today. And again, it's it's kind of talking through. I'm almost kind of like haven't completely just taken Peter's message apart because I don't actually have all of Peter's message. I have what they want us to have, which is fine. Thank you, Luke. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, but you know, this other passage does speak to the process of God using the teaching of his word to help people believe, right? Romans 10 verse 8. Romans 10 verse 8 says this. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, nobody can do that for you but you, right? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to say that again. Verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Who? The Jews? No. Everyone. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Gentile, Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's not done. He's like, but how? How does that happen? How does that happen? Oh, one who was just killing Christians and the Lord saved his life to turn around and turn him into the greatest preacher of all time that he might write half of the New Testament? Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How? How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news but they have not all but all obeyed the gospel. For, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. 
it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. How about you? How about your life? What's your life look like? You know Jesus? Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute. Take a moment, if we will. And, and I, want, I would like for us just to all have like a moment of reflection. Now, you, you may have like something you serve and doing or whatever. I, I want you to forget about that for right now, okay? Don't jump up, run out. I, I want you to hang out. I want you to take this moment, ask yourself the question, is my heart open to the Lord working in my life right now? Is my life there right now? Piper says that the essence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to magnify the beauty of Christ in the human mind and heart. Would you be willing to let the Lord speak to you in your life right now about who Christ is in your life? Let's just take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's just take a moment. And I want you just to just to think for this moment. You know, I want you to think back to the moment in which Jesus saved you. I want you to think about that day in which Jesus saved you. Maybe it's vague. Maybe you remember details of how that happened for you that day. But probably what you remember most of all was that there was a moment where God moved in your life. And if you're a believer today and you know that you know Jesus, and you remember that moment. Praise Him for who He is and what He's done in your life. If you are not a believer today, I pray that you would be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now of who Jesus is and what He's done for you that God sent his son to take your place. No matter how bad of a person you've been in this life, that there is no sin that he cannot forgive. There is no life that he cannot change, that he cannot make new. And that he loves you and that he cares for you and he wants to make you his today. If that's where you are today, I pray that you would believe in your heart of who Jesus is and the works that he has done and that you would call out to his name, today, Jesus, be my Lord. Believers, I pray that you would pray for those who don't know the Lord. I pray that you would begin praying for those who don't know the Lord that are the people that God has placed in your life. 
that we too could be the ambassadors of the gospel to those people because God has loved us so much and given us so much and has called us to turn and give it to everyone around us. May we not forget that those seeds will fall as they may and that God may use them today or he may use them 20 years from now, but that he has a plan. God, we come to you today and we just ask you, Lord, to move in our lives. For us as believers, I pray that you would move in our lives, that we would share the gospel with others. For those that are maybe just beginning to believe, Lord, that you have changed their lives today. God, I pray that they would be vocal about that. God, they would tell somebody about that today. That you would change their life forevermore and give them the purpose that you created them for. God, help them as they navigate that. May they know that we love them and care for them. God, thank you for these holy moments, these reminders of your moving. And God, I pray, Lord, that it would all be 100% for your glory. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. I'll be in the foyer if you would like to talk about Jesus.